I walk into an op shop and I just get this sense of excitement <laughs> and it's like what will I find today and am I going to find an amazing piece of fabric or um, and I don't get that walking into a fabric shop I don't get that walking into a regular shop because you sort of know what you're going to get there you know what you're there for whereas in an op shop it could be anything you could walk out of there with anything. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Isle, the podcast where we have conversations with doers, makers and thinkers from all corners of Tasmania, talking all things slow living, ethical business, sustainability and fostering community connection. I'm your host, Daisy Baker. When was the last time you set foot in an op shop? Might have been yesterday or you might never have done it. Today you'll meet Belle Dowd who has a knack for finding pre-loved goods and transforming them into beautiful and funky upcycled items. She started her sustainable brand Ramble Folk last year and now sells a range of reusable eco products. In this conversation, Belle shares how Ramble Folk came to be. We chat about upcycled gifting, imperfect sustainability and so much more. Here's Belle. Welcome to the Mindful Isle, Belle. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Daisy. Nice to meet you. A quick fire question to start off with this morning. How would you describe Tassie living in one sentence? Uh, well, Tassie's incredible. Tassie's absolutely beautiful. I think if you've lived here, I've lived here most of my life, and I think most of us that have ever always known that. But it's really nice to see the rest of the world finally catching up on that, I think. Um, I, when I was younger, I spent a bit of time traveling around the world and I lived in London for a couple of years. And the first thing people asked me was, um, where are you from? And I'd say Tasmania and people would either say, where's that? Or they would laugh and make a Tassie joke. So um, about the two heads, <laughs> about the two heads, exactly. And my response then would be, oh, it's actually quite pretty. Um, it's not that bad. Whereas now I'm very proudly telling people where I'm from. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd quite happily say that it's the cultural creative heart of Australia now and I think most people would probably agree with that now yeah absolutely and I think you're right we're increasingly being put on the map I think yeah nationally and overseas as well yeah yes absolutely it's nice it it feels nice to have the rest of the world now see what we've always seen Mm, absolutely what's your favorite way to integrate mindfulness into your day uh, I would probably say um, getting out in nature is probably the thing that I love doing most. I'm not very good at meditating. I've tried many times. I've tried to <laughs> tried to do it. I'm still trying, but um, I haven't quite got there yet. But getting out in nature and just walking or jogging or walking along the beach um, or we're very, very lucky in Montfest and we can go to the gorge or we can go to City Park. There's lots of beautiful places we can have a look around. So um, I love doing that and not just being there um, trying to focus on being really present there as well so what you can see and what you can hear and really feeling the things around you and I think it's important if you're you know wanting to look after the environment that you actually get out there and get amongst it so you know what it is that you're that you're fighting for that you want to keep protected yeah and and I guess that kind of feeds back in and becomes your inspiration to fight for the environment as well when you do really have a deep connection with where you are Absolutely, yeah. Let's rewind a little bit. You registered your business name in January 2020. Where did your idea for Ramble Folk come from and how did it kind of evolve across the crazy year that was 2020? Yeah, so um, it evolved a lot. It was very different by the end of 2020 to what it was at the start of 2020, like pretty much everything in the world was. Um, I, 
I had a business before Ramble Folk. I'd had it for seven years. I started it when my first baby was born when I was on maternity leave and um, I made organic baby products. I sold that in 2019, about halfway through the year. And instantly I had this void. <laughs> like I was, I didn't have my creative outlet anymore. And I loved the, the running of the business and the Instagram community that you sort of build when you've got a small business as well. I loved all of that and I missed it all. So I knew I wanted to do something else. Um, I didn't know what. And in the September of that year, I went to the climate strike, the global climate strike. Um, and knew straight away that um, it, it had to be something that was not just a business that I could make sustainable. I wanted to start a sustainable business, a business that was all about sustainability, a business that was started in order to, um, to help and to do good and so that I could feel like I was doing something. Um, it's quite frustrating watching all the things going on in the world and feeling like the only thing you're doing is retweeting Bernie Sanders and <laughs> and things like that like you want to I wanted to feel like I was doing something tangible something physical that I could see and so I knew it would be um, a sustainable business that I would start um, initially I thought I would start an eco store um, I started looking into that as far as selling reusable products and plastic free products um, and I got to the point of almost placing orders but it just didn't it didn't quite sit with me. A lot of the products that I was looking at were all mass produced. They were made in China, they were imported. And um, I love those products. I use those products myself. And I have some um, some wonderful products that I've bought from eco stores that are like that. But for me, I've, I knew I wanted it to feel authentic. I wanted it to be something that I didn't have to worry about that part of it that I didn't like. Um, I wanted to feel like everything I did was, was okay and doing the right thing. And I needed to be able to talk about it authentically. So, um, that was in March that I sort of got to that stage and then yeah everything shut down everything changed and um, for me I didn't even think about my business for the next six months I think most people kind of put things on hold at that stage um, when I did pick it up at the end of the year it was yeah it was very different for me I wanted to everything to be Australian made um, and I wanted to not just create products that would reduce waste I wanted to create products that were also taking that waste away initially. So the products I use are all made from recycled and upcycled materials. Um, yeah, that's sort of, that was a really long answer to that question, wasn't it? It was a great answer though. And I think, yeah, that's really, 2020 I think gave everyone a really good perspective on our supply chains and where things come from. And so you can absolutely see that filtering through in your your business idea. Let's- yeah have a bit more of a look at the things that you do sell. So as you just mentioned, they're upcycled items that you're making, really beautiful, funky designs. Talk us through some Thank of the, the things that you, you do sell in your range and kind of how they came about. Yeah, so um, one of my main products, the one that is my most popular product would be my reusable produce bags. Um, they are made from upcycled lace curtains. So the old lace curtains that you see hanging in houses, a lot of the time they're um, ripped out of renovations and older houses and um, either sent to the op shop or thrown away. So that's, it's a lot of fabric waste. Um, and the material a lot of the time is still really good. There are some parts and some fabrics that I'll see that are a bit disintegrated. I don't use those, I don't buy those. I really, I'm really careful of quality testing the lace that I get, but um. Yeah, so a lot of that material I find in op shops and turn it into produce bags and it works exactly the same as the stuff that you would buy from an eco store. And obviously it's um, 
it's not plastic. So you're not using plastic bags to pack your vegetables in as well. So yeah, that's one, that's the one that's been the most popular. And I also enjoy making it it's a bit of fun. And the other one that I've seen on your store that I love is the reusable cutlery set. Yeah. The one that I saw and it had like, you know, you'd made it out of a jeans pocket, an old jeans pocket. It's the case. And then it had yeah. a bead from an old necklace. And then inside the cutlery, it was, you know, like normal metal cutlery that you picked up from an op shop. I love that. I think that's such a cool idea. Yeah, that one's also one of my favourites because I think one of the things I try to do is the materials that I use, if you look at them as they are or you see them in an op shop, you probably just think that they're it's just a pair of jeans. It's a bit of ugly old lace. Um, I love grabbing them and turning them into something beautiful and, you know, with wonderful branding and wonderful photography, obviously, um, to try and make something that would be discarded and that looks ugly to start with look really beautiful again. Um, and when you start doing it, it's actually a lot of fun because... I started looking at the cord that I would use for those bags and found a really nice recycled cotton cord and then finding old necklaces and getting the beads off them to do it. And once you start doing it, it's just hard to know when to stop. Every part of it has to be upcycled and every part of it has to have a story and it's a lot of fun, yeah. And I think that it's, it's a really nice part of your business, the, the upcycled element, because as you said, you know, it's one thing to be buying eco and reusable things but it just takes it that one step further if you're buying reusable things that are actually already out there. They don't need to be produced to be reusable. Yeah, yeah. So the materials already exist in the world. They're already there. Um, instead of making more products and more stuff and putting more things into the environment, it's stuff that's already there, but it's probably going to go into landfill. So grabbing that stuff and turning it into something else that works just as well as something brand new um, and I think, you know, looks just as good <laughs> or a little bit funkier or has a little story behind it. So people, they love that. They like to have a bit of a story behind what they're buying as opposed to just consuming. I think people are becoming more and more aware of that. And like you said, they're aware of supply chains and where products come from. And um, it's a bit of a minefield trying to work all of that out. So if you can find a business that you know is made in Australia, you know it's ethically made, you know where the materials come from and you don't have to think about it. Um, I think people are more and more leaning towards those businesses because they know they're doing good they know they're doing the right thing they're not damaging um, the environment in any way and they can trust that they've um, the work's been done for them definitely how do you remain optimistic in the face of climate change oh, it's that's a hard one I think um, it's I think you don't really have any choice I think if you don't remain optimistic about it it's it's not a very nice thing to think about um, I actually am quite optimistic about it. I think that there's a lot going on. There's a lot we need to change and there's a lot of work to do. But if you see the, the young people coming through and how passionate they are and, and how much they believe in what they can do and what they have to do, because honestly, it's their future. They've got a lot more to, to lose than, I'm, I'm probably a fair bit older than you, Daisy, but they've got a lot more to lose than us because it's their future. It's, and so they, they know how important it is for what they need to do as well. Um, and they're the ones that are going to be voting in the next few years. In the next federal election, they're the ones that are voting. Um, and they're the ones that are going to have the biggest voice and make the biggest changes. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about what um, the younger people are going to be able to do to help turn things around for us as well. Um, but I also think that a lot of the older generation, um, oh, making myself sound really old, I'm not that old, but a lot of my <laughs> really generation not. and older... <laughs> <laughs> um so and you know my parents age like they're they're also um starting to make a lot of changes and do things differently and see things differently 
and I think that it's yeah that there's a lot to look forward to and I think if we are optimistic about it and we are positive about it and we support each other um I think we can do all sorts of wonderful things I 100% agree and that that is a really nice perspective to have on board and it just yeah really shifts it from that climate anxiety to what can we actually practically do to make change another thing that you're quite passionate about is this idea of imperfect sustainability talk to us a a bit about that and why that's important to you yeah I think it's very very important because I know when I started um, thinking about sort of stepping into this area it can be quite intimidating and you can sort of think well if I'm not doing everything right um, I might get pulled up on the thing that I'm doing wrong or someone might call me a hypocrite or um, and you can start to get to the point where you think I just probably won't do anything I won't put myself out there at all and it's I think it's a really dangerous way to feel because you know I can I still will go to the shop if my children's getting dressed in the morning for school and I realise they've put their knee through their leggings again I'll still go to Target and buy a $9 pair of leggings because I have to I'm on the way to school that's what I do I'm just like every other mum and I do that but I also focus on the fact that I've saved you know hundreds thousands of metres of lace from going to landfill so thinking of the things that you have done and not focusing on the things that you don't do well is what um, is what I try and do and I try and tell people as well through my Instagram and through my business um, that you know I'm not perfect and I don't want to ever put myself out there as perfect because I'm not and I never will be but I'm doing some good things and if all you're doing is changing to using reusable produce bags that's fantastic and we should support each other for doing that because that's one thing that will lead to another thing and then someone else might see you doing that and you'll inspire them to do it as well and if we're all too scared to try because we're worried about not doing it perfectly then those things will not be the catalyst for the next thing and the next person and it just grows from there so every little thing is important um every little thing you do well is important every new thing that you change and start doing is important and supporting people around you even if they're doing you know not really doing anything that you think is the way it should be done but they've tried one thing support them and encourage them so Mm. and I think people do really appreciate that level of authenticity as well from you you know you're not saying Mm. oh I'm you know, the eco goddess, I'm doing everything, ticking all the boxes, you know, it makes it, it really, it feel really achievable, I guess. Um, Yeah. Because it can be quite overwhelming if you think, oh gosh, I can't use any items of, you know, single use plastic in my house. Mm. And when you start thinking like that, it then almost feels like, oh, well, that just feels too hard basket. I won't do anything. But I won't even try. Yeah. yeah. When you think, oh no, every little thing that you do do, is a step in the right direction and you can just build on that that's right yeah yeah and someone will see you doing that and you can have an impact on them and their journey as well so and it's really hard to go to the supermarket and you know I look at my trolley and I think wow good on me I've done this and I've done this and I've got that glass jar and I've got this and I'm trying to encourage myself that way instead of looking at it going oh my bread's in a plastic bag because the reality is the world is not set up for us to be perfect in this way it's just not Um, lots of things are changing and lots of things are happening and hopefully one day it will be a lot easier to be completely plastic free or completely zero waste but at the moment it's really hard so you do what you can do with what you've got and just um, yeah don't don't be hard on yourself and support those around you that are trying as well. Mm. You've got a background in fashion design tell us a bit more about that and where your love of sewing and thrifting came from. Yeah so um, I 
I studied fashion design. I started when I was 17 years old. I did a um, diploma in clothing industry studies and fashion design. Um, I also, when I was traveling and living in London, I worked for a bridal designer over there, um, worked for bridal designers in Australia as well. So it feels like it was quite a long time ago, but I've always done something in, in that sort of industry and that sort of realm making as well since then. Um, as far as thrifting goes, I, I get a lot of that from my family. My my mum's always enjoyed op shopping. My husband's family um, are big op shoppers as well. Um, our family tend to hand clothes down from one cousin to the next biggest cousin, down to the next biggest cousin and their sister and so on. So most of the clothes get handed down and worn six, seven times before they reach the stage where they can't be worn anymore. Um, and it's just always been a part of my life. I've either had my clothes made or they came from an op shop or they were handed down. And um, so, yeah, I've always loved that. And I, I've, now as an adult, I walk into an op shop and I just get this sense of excitement. <laughs> and it's like, what will I find today? And am I going to find an amazing piece of fabric? Or um, And I don't get that walking into a fabric shop. I don't get that walking into a regular shop because you sort of know what you're going to get there. You know what you're there for. Whereas in an op shop, it could be anything. You could walk out of there with anything. And often I walk out of there with things that I'm not, I'm not sure why I got that. But <laughs> it just, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a, And I think once you start doing it and once you've done it a couple of times and once you've had a couple of really great finds, then you start to go, you start to get a bit more hooked on it, I guess. Mm. When you're heading into an op shop to find things, do you go in there with, okay, I'm, I'm looking for some nice corduroy or, you know, some funky old necklaces or do you just kind of go in there with an open mind and see, see what you can find? A bit of both, I'd say. Yeah, often um, depending on you know what I'm making at the time, there's things that I need and things that I'm looking for. I'm always looking for lace because that's one of the things that I that I need the most of. Um, but when you walk in there, I'm, I'm I'm keeping an eye out for certain things, tablecloths and um, cutlery and corduroy, anything brown and orange. I seem to love everything brown and orange at the moment. Um, but I'm always looking for particular things and keeping my eye open for them. But I'm very much um, a lot of the products that I've made have just been made because I found that particular fabric and went, okay, that could be this. So yeah, I, I try and keep it open, but I'm always looking for particular things as well. What are your tips for people when they're heading into an op shop, finding, I guess, the treasure amongst everything else? Yeah. Um, so be patient. Um, if you don't enjoy it, it's going to be a bit of a long sort of <laughs> long sort. Of, you're not going to walk in and just find that amazing thing instantly and go, wow, that's why I did this. Sometimes I'll go to five or six op shops in one day, um, looking through different boxes and racks and things, and, and I'll come home with four or five things. So, um, yeah, be patient with it and enjoy it and look at things not just as they are now. So you might look at that and think, okay, yeah, that's just, that's what it is now, but try and imagine what it could be and what you can turn it into, especially if you know how to sew, because um, yeah, it's all fabric. It's a big fabric store. So when you go in there, you're looking at a massive big fabric store and um, there's some really interesting things out there. And I guess in that same vein as well, we're coming into Christmas time, people are starting to do their shopping. I know in the past you've done a post about upcycle gifts at Christmas time. Would you like yeah. to tell us a bit more about this? And I guess some people might feel a little bit, not, not a stigma attached to that, but they're, they're a little bit reluctant because it, it feels like it might be cheap or, you know, a bit of a, a cop out to give an upcycle present. But I know that you've got quite a different perspective on that. Would you like to share a bit more about that with us? 
Yeah, for sure. So um, my sister-in-law um, is a huge inspiration to me. She's been upcycled, um, sorry, up, yeah, gifting um, that way for years. She's done it for birthdays. She's done it for Christmas and she's always done it. And I definitely um, know that she's had felt the stigma attached to it as well. But last year we um, sort of made it a bit of a family tradition that um, at least one gift for everybody would be from an op shop. And it's, it's not... Um, you sort of think it, maybe it feels cheap or maybe it feels like um, a bit of a cop-out, but the reality is it's actually a lot more work. So you've got to go to the op shops, you've got to find that thing, but you're looking for something in a shop that doesn't have specific items that's going to make you feel like that's exactly what that person would want. So it takes a lot of thought and it takes a lot of care and a lot of effort. And when you find that thing and it's like, oh, they would absolutely love that. And then you pay $2 for it and it's their favourite present. It's a wonderful feeling. And also, you know, you still buy new things at Christmas. We all do. Um, but if you can just take one of those presents out and switch it up with an upcycled present, then yeah, I think you'll find it's a lot of fun. And that's why on my website, I sell the gift cards as well, because I think that also takes away that question, that guess, why have you given me something secondhand? Like you don't have to explain it. You don't have to say why you've done that or I'm doing it to save the world. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You just can give them the card and the card inside says, I found this for you. It's upcycled, not you. So you're basically showing them I've done this on purpose. I've done this because I wanted to and, and because I think this is a good thing to do. Mm, it was done with intention and care and a lot of forethought. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. You're a finalist in the Sustainable Living Festival's Sustainable Business of the Year Award. So exciting. Congratulations. How does it feel to be recognised quite early on in your business journey? It was amazing. It was really, yeah, I was a little bit shocked because I am so new, but um, but at the same time, I was really proud because it was, um, yeah, to be recognised for an award like that, when that's exactly the sort of thing that I wanted to be doing, um, was just, yeah, it was just wonderful. But um, I didn't, I only just registered, <laughs> the registrations closed on the 31st of August and I was sitting in my car waiting at school pickup. Um, and just thought, oh, I'll just do it. And I felt a bit silly even registering because I thought I was too new and I'd already seen some of the other nominees and they were incredible businesses and big businesses. And um, yeah, so I was a little bit um, nervous to enter. And then when I was a finalist, I was, yeah, it was very exciting. So yeah, very, very and I've got exciting. a beautiful trophy as well. I love the trophy. <laughs> <gasps> Lovely to have there as your inspiration just in, in the sidelines cheering you on. Yeah, yeah. Any products that you would like to add to your range going forwards? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm currently working on my homewares range. So a range of cushions, um, again, all made from upcycled and leftover materials. Um, there's some, yeah, some really beautiful fabrics that I've found. Um, some of them are pieces of fabric and some of them are blankets. Um, some of them are sheets, different things that I've found that I've turned into really beautiful cushions. Um, yeah, like most things, I've got to find the time to actually photograph this stuff and get this on the website. So finding the time to do it is usually the issue. But I'm really excited about that because um, I think homewares is a really, really nice way to add character to your home and add something a bit different. And um, with cushions, they can they have a story and you can put them on display and you can tell people about them, where they came from. And um, it's just that a really nice level of um, a different level of from the products I've been making. Um, ultimately, I'd also like to make clothing. Um, having my own sustainable clothing line is a dream I've had for a very, very long time. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of work to do to get to that stage, but 
um, starting my business and starting these products and trying to build um, Bramble Folk up as a sustainable business is basically the first steps in me being able to do that. So I'm, I'm on that journey already. I don't know how far away it will be that I do that, but um, I've got lots of ideas in the meantime as well of products that I want to do. And that sounds like that would be coming full circle for you, having a, you know, sustainable clothing line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I started wanting to do design since I was 17 years old, which is when I first did my course. And um, yeah, I, I'm a big believer in age not being a factor in what you can and can't achieve. I've never thought I was, you know, I should have done it in my 20s or anything like that. I've always known that I would do it. And I always know now that I will do it. Um, I'm not in a hurry because I feel like now I'm doing it in a way that I've always thought and hoped that I would do it. Um, I feel like if I'd started doing anything before this, I wouldn't be doing the way that I want to do it now. And having a sustainable clothing line and building a brand up as a sustainable brand is, that's the ultimate for me. And that's, um, I feel like I'm now doing it the way that I should always have been doing it. And that's lovely, isn't it? I think too often we feel that that time pressure of like, got to hustle, got to get it done now and go, go, go. Yeah. But yeah, you're quite right. Just in slowing down and knowing, you know what, when the time's right, it will all come around and it will be mm. just right. Yeah. You just have to trust yourself and, and trust that things are going as they should be. And if it doesn't feel right, maybe you do need to change things up a bit. But yeah, it's good. I feel like I'm on the right path with it now. Where does the name Ramble Folk come from? Um, I, I kind of like how the words sound together. <laughs> it's funny when you try to choose a business name, I've, I came up with that many things. Um, but a, the word folk has always been something that's really, really resonated with me. I love folk music. I love um, when I think about folk, like thinking about the type of people that I think about when I think about folk. I think that's also, um, it's just, it's imagery and it's a feeling that, I love and so that word's always been um I've just always liked it I think and so I was just writing down a bunch of words and putting things together and um ramble folk just kind of happened and as soon as I saw the words together it was instant that's that's the name of my business and so straight away I was like well I bet that's taken I bet I can't get that domain um and so trying to find all the things and it was all still available and I was really surprised I was in my head because it worked so well for me I thought surely somebody else has used that name already but um yeah, they hadn't, so it was good. Very good. And it is. I think it just fits perfectly with your business, the vibe mm. and everything. It's just all just right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> A final question to wrap us up today, Bill. Where would you like to see Tasmania in five years' time? Um, I think that in five years' time, I'd like to see Tasmania um, in a position where we're all really focused on Tasmania and how lucky we are to have that brand made in Tasmania, um, product of Tasmania, grown in Tasmania. It's just so valuable. And for, for us to have that and have the world see that as such a valuable brand and an asset, um, if we're focusing on looking after that and protecting that and making decisions that grow that um, and not put that at risk. So um, I hope that, yeah, the politicians and the people who are voting um, take that into account when they're looking at, um, yeah, where Tassie could be in five years if we do things one way and where it could be in five years if we do it another way. But um, the Tassie brand is just gold. We're so lucky to have it. And I think protecting that at all costs is just really important. Thank you so much for listening in to this episode of The Mindful Isle. I really love this chat with Belle. I think 
all the points that she made about upcycled gifting and her store and how everything came to be is so wonderful. But I particularly loved her reflections on the evolution of her business and how she believes that the timing has been just right and she's so happy with how things are progressing in her life. I think so often we have a tendency when something great is starting to happen, we think, why didn't I do this earlier? And I love that she says, you know what, I didn't, I don't wish that I did this earlier. It's all just right and it's happening, happening just how I hoped it would right now. And I think that's a really nice reminder to be present. As always, you can find me on Instagram at The Mindful Isle. Hit follow on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling super generous, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well, which just supports us to reach more people. And I'll be back in New Year's next week with the final episode of The Mindful Isle for the season.